quite a journey, to green up our house. And not just like recycle green up, but actually in color to green up the house. And so we have been trying to uh, implement more plants and, and plant life, things that are living inside of our house. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you there have been a lot of casualties. Uh, we, have, we, we, are, we are masters at killing plants. And um, we just couldn't figure out kind of what was going on, and, and we don't have a lot of yard space. For those that don't know, we live in a condo, and so we have literally two little strips that are about 14 inches wide on each side of our little sidewalk that's probably eight feet long, and that's all the earth that we own. And um, so there's not a lot of room there, and we kept wondering, why do these things keep dying? And even our indoor stuff wasn't thriving, and we couldn't figure out what was going on. And so with the help of some green thumb friends and a local uh, plant shop, we finally figured out what was going on. And so we went, and she said, hey, what is uh, the, the plants, what are they put in right now? And we said, well, just dirt. Like, is there supposed to be something else? And she said, well, there's actually some good soil, some bad soil. There's things that, that are in the soil that really, really matters. And I said, well, I mean, dirt's dirt, right? And she said, no, not actually, it's not. And so one of the things that we started doing, we started evaluating what was in our dirt. And so one of the things that we found that was in our dirt, uh, especially outside of our uh, house, was there were lots of rock. I guess it was left over from when the, the site was built and construction, and so she began to look at the roots on some things, and she said, hey, these roots are really dried out. It's not getting what it needs. In addition to lots of rock being in our soil, there were lots of like acidic dirt. It just wasn't good dirt. And she said, can I suggest that you try potting it in something different? And I said, well, sure. What, what do you got for us? So she gets this bag, and you're going to love the name on this. She said, this is good dirt. Like literally, it's named good dirt. And uh, I love that on the bag it says these three things. It's simple, successful, and sustainable. I said, well, if the bag says it's good dirt, then it's got to be good dirt, right? And so we went home and we began to pot some things in this good dirt. And one of the things that we found as I juggle this was that the good dirt actually worked. There were things about the dirt as we began to plant our indoor and our outdoor plants in this, was that it worked. We're keeping things alive. And so we began to kind of put good dirt down everywhere we could possibly find a plant and a living thing. And so we would plant these things in good dirt. And so we would pack it in the good dirt. And what I noticed was it looked the same. When it was over here in this rocky, I was like, well, it looks good. And then we would do everything we were supposed to do. We'd water it and kind of put it in the sunlight, everything that we were supposed to do. But then we'd come back a week or two weeks later, and it didn't look like that anymore. But then we put it in this good dirt, and two weeks later, it was still living. Three weeks later, still living. Four weeks later still living. And what she told us was this, that what it is planted in matters. She said the soil matters. And so for a while, she says, you know, a plant can live for a moment in the rock and in the acidic dirt, but it's not going to live forever. But if you can give the dirt what it needs from below, if you can give what it needs from the soil, 
it will live forever. And if you pack the dirt properly, it will live forever. So here's the deal. Paul says, you know what, the same is true of us. The same is true of you. The same is true for our churches. The, the, the same is true for our communities. That when you begin to set your roots in good soil. And what I love about Paul's message today is this. It too is simple, successful, and sustainable. It's not something way so far on the scale of difficult that you're never going to be able to achieve it. No, it's simple. And you're going to see this unfold today. And Paul says, listen, if you want to live into this experience uh, of fullness, and that was the, the request last week. If you remember verse 19, look what he says. He says, here's what I'm praying for. I'm setting this entire prayer up so that you can, verse 19, know this. He says, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He says, I want that for you. I want that for you as a church. I want that for you as a, a husband, a wife. I want that for you as a father I want, I want, and a mother. I want you, just as an individual, I want you to be filled to the measure of the fullness. He says, if, if that's what the end goal is, if that's what the game plan is. Last week he said, you've got to look at this inner spirit You've got to let God into the inside because what comes from the inside is going to eventually flow outward. And then he switches gears and he says, and there's more. He says, it comes down to what's underneath the surface. It comes down to what you are planted in. If you want to experience the full measure of God, he says, you've got to look below the surface. And guess what? There's some of us who, who you know what, we're going to look okay. We're going to look okay from the bucket up. But given enough time, a week, or some kind of hardship comes along, and there's going to be something that rocks our world, and guess what? The leaves are going to begin to wither because we're not grounded in something. We're not grounded in something that, again, is simple and successful and sustainable. He says, what is under the surface matters. What you root your faith in, what you root your hope in matters. What grounds us matters. And here's the way he says it. I'm going to go back and I'm going to read the whole prayer covering what we did last week and then kind of moving into the continuation of the prayer. Here's what he says, starting in verse 16. He says, I pray that out of your glorious riches, this abundant, this plentiful riches, that he, God, may strengthen you with power through his spirit of the inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's where we left off last week. And he says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power Power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that, here's the end goal, you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. Love. Love. Jesus says that the greatest command is to love God and to love people. Jesus encouraged his disciples that were closest to him and those who were then within their realms of influences, his early followers. Here's what he says. He says, love others as I have loved you. Jesus says, you want to know what it means to be a disciple? Love people as I love you. 
Guys, I don't know about you, but this season of Awaken, for those of you who have been a part of this, we just entered into a, a period of time, 30 days, where we're just praying and fasting. And I, don't, I don't know what your experience has been. I've heard from some of you, and I know that there really has been an awakening among some people, among families, among couples, among individuals, among households. But one of the things that, that this has been such a great reminder for me is this, that I am loved and that people matter to Jesus. I keep seeing that every day. I'm loved, and people matter to Jesus. I'm loved, and people matter to Jesus. Everyone matters to Jesus. And so part of my daily prayer, just 14 or 15 days in, I begin to pray in such a way that says, God, make me a better lover of people. Will you help me to love those who are created in your image? And you know what? Every single time I begin to pray that, what it circles back to, I hear this gentle whisper from God saying, I will, but you got to remember that you are loved. It starts, and it will reverberate out with you remembering and rooting yourself in this love. And so I got to wonder, why, why is it so difficult to do this? Why is it so difficult to, to love and, and, and root ourselves and ground ourselves, or, or better yet, to distribute these things? Why is it so difficult for us to do this, especially in light of our current culture? And here's what I did. I began to look at the roots, and I came up with, with this simple solution. You can't give what you don't have, at least not in full. So let me, let me kind of bring this to the text, and I'm going to unfold this, and we're going to kind of wrap it up for the day. If we ever want to be full distributors of God's love, we first have to be full recipients of God's love. You can't give away what you don't have. You can't distribute what you've not yet received. And so what Paul does here, he says, listen, if you ever want to fulfill Jesus' request, love God, love people, love others as I have loved you. See, that's why he ties that to the end. If you want to know how to love others, and he goes on to, to pray some pretty deep and, and powerful prayers. Love your enemy, right? Love those who persecute you. Love those who are different than you. He says all of that is going to permeate from something. Love others as I have loved you. If we ever hope to do that, Paul says, you've got to be rooted in what you hope to distribute. So verse 17, he says, I pray that you become or, or, or that you are rooted and established. I want to insert a word there. If you look at another translation, he says that you are rooted or you are grounded. That you're grounded in love. Now, I want you to notice something about this text. And it took me a minute. I've taught this text in a different way, and I'm going to try to put a little bit of different spin on it today. Notice that he's not talking about you loving other people. We, we kind of fly through that and go, pray that you are rooted and established in love so that, that I've got to begin loving other people. But in this context, here's what he's saying. He says, I'm not talking about loving each other. Wow, that's key. If you remember back to the beginning of this, this letter, he's talking about these worlds colliding, these cultures colliding. You had Jews and Gentiles, and absolutely, love was going to be a part of that. But what I woke up to this week on this text was that he's not talking about loving each other yet. He's saying in order for you to distribute what it's going to require for you to become a unified church before, so, so that you can begin to make a dent and an influence and, 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 and change in your communities and in your culture, he says, listen, you can't give what you don't have, and so I need you to understand that roots matter, and I need you to be rooted in God's love. 
I need you to know that being deeply, if you're going to be being loving is deeply being connected to love. He's saying that you have to know and experience God's love in a way that, that grounds you. If you ever plan on not being moved in some really unloving moments, I'm talking about those moments when life kind of hits us in the face and you go, love is not my general response. And so we end up kind of getting knocked around. And, and we, we kind of sway all over the place because we've been punched in the mouth. Paul says, no, if you will remember that you are loved, that God's love is what grounds you, then guess what? When those punches come, you're going to be grounded in such a way that you're, you're not going to be moved. That it has taken hold. You are established in something. And so I think that's why Jesus says, when he says, love your enemies, and our immediate response is, Jesus, that's not possible. That's difficult. I, I can't love people who are out to hurt me or out to harm me or don't like me. I, I can't love people who make themselves impossible to love, who are annoying and aggravating and mean, and, 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 and they're just... There's just no value in it. How in the world can we get there? And I think Jesus says, you love people the way I've loved you. And he says, you know what? You too were an enemy of the cross. You too were an enemy of God. But through that blood that we talked about in chapter 2, when we became alive in Christ, when, when God gives us a way out, when he sends rescue in Jesus, he says, guess what? You moved from darkness to light. You moved from death to life. And so if I can love you that way, then guess what? You, if you are rooted in that love, you can begin to love others that way. See, Paul sets this up the entire way. If we begin to chain this together, what we begin to see is that it, it, it is about God. It starts with God. It begins with God, but it begins to sink into. It begins to ground us as well. Chapter 1. If you remember, this is the phrase he uses. He says, in love... He, being God, in, in love, God chose us. goes on to say he chose us for adoption. That he, he makes us part of the family. How does he do that? In love. Then you turn the page in chapter 2. He says, because of his great love, because of God's great love. There's that word again. He says, he has made us alive in Christ, chapter 3, I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power. He's setting it up all the time. In the midst of a culture where you can't get along, he says. In the midst of having some very different theological and worldviews and what you value. In light of all that, you'll never get where you need to be with people until you get where you need to be with yourself first. And you got to understand that it was God's love in the beginning that adopted you. It was because of his great love that he, he made a way out for you. And guess what? That's what you're going to ground yourself in. He completes the thought. He comes and he says, hey, you know, all this stuff that God has done for you, who God is, and the way that he has provided for you, guess what? That's how you're going to root and ground yourself in a way that allows you to take the hard knocks of life, to look people that you don't like in the eyes, and love them anyway. He says it's being rooted and grounded. It's that type of love. It's a God type of love, and you can't give away what you don't have. And if we ever fully want to be distributors Remember, it's a fullness. It's not a partial. He says, no, you get to be filled to the, to the full measure of God. 
You have to be a full recipient of that love. You've got to come to grips with who you are and what God has done and how he has loved you in spite of that. And guess what? When you begin to be a recipient of that, you'll have way less, hard, you'll have way less of a time being a distributor of that. See, this kind of love that Paul has described really the entire letter. But then this type of love that he's going to draw us to and pray that we become rooted in that, that we become unmovable in that. It's an unconditional and transformational love. It's everlasting and it's readily available. And understanding and accepting that I am love is what makes it possible to love. And he says, that's powerful. Paul says that. He says this right here. It's simple. But it's successful. And it's sustainable. It's love. And Paul says, I pray that that continues to increase. I pray that you never outgrow it, that you never get too churchy for it. I pray that you never get comfortable just loving who it is that's easy and loving who it is that you currently love. He says, I never want you to stop wanting more of it because the more you receive, the better you are in a position to give. He says, never stop asking for it, never stop wanting it, never stop chasing it. God, root us, establish us, ground us in these things, and it is powerful. And here's why, because its reach is unexplainable, unavoidable, and inescapable. Listen to what he says in verse 18. He says, it's unexplainable, it's unavoidable, and it's inescapable. Verse 18, he says, may, that you may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp, to understand, to grab hold of how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. He says, this kind of love that you're going to set roots in, he says, it's multidimensional. See, we like to be so black and white with our love, don't we? You're either in or you're out. I either like you or I don't. We either like the same things and we don't, and whether we like the same things, that's what determines we're black and white. We look and go, you're either lovable or unlovable, and he says, no, no, no. He says, it's not black and white with me, it's multidimensional. There's no way to explain it, there's no way to avoid it, and you can't escape it. And by the way, it's always been that way. It always will be that way. There was an Old Testament guy by the name of Job who, who had dealt with his more fair share, more than his fair share of these unfortunate circumstances of life. You want to talk about a guy that had been punched in the gut, who had every reason to hate everybody and everything, who had gone through, through so much, uh, uh, undescribable, loss of family, loss of property, loss of health. If there was ever a guy who had reason to not just love people but really not love God, could question that love, who could come and say, God, I'm not sure that you love me anymore. But he never wavered from that. And so he had some friends that stopped along and they encouraged him. And listen to how they described this. They said, listen, you can't, in trying to encourage you to push through, remember what you're grounded in, Job. And, and they, he, this friend, Zophar, describes it in this way to Job. He says, Job, let me recall you to something, something that you know, but maybe you need to be reminded of. And guess what? This is going to sound really familiar. Listen to what he says in Job 11. He says, can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? 
Can, can you fully understand the depth of God's love in this moment? That he, he's still, if you could just fathom the mysteries, if you could just for a moment understand the limits of the Almighty that they're not. And he goes on to describe this. It's going to sound really familiar. They are higher than the heavens. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths below. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. He says God's power and love, and he reminds Job and Paul in a very, very similar way. Comes back and he says God's power and his love for us has no limits. It's unexplainable. It's inescapable. It's unavoidable. So much so and so vast, he says, that it can't be described. It can't be fully explained. Verse 19, he says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Look at what he says. He says, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. He says, it can't be fully explained, but you can know it. You can experience it. Even though you can't fully describe it, he says you can still know it. You can know it by the way that you experience these moments. And Paul says, that's what I want for you. I want you to have this power that comes from the Spirit in your inner being. And I want you to be grounded and rooted in a love. A love that's not fully explainable, but is, is fully able to be experienced. It is high and deep and wide and long. He says, I want you to experience that. I want you to be grounded in that because guess what? What is underneath what you take hold of in your roots will eventually begin to display itself. And that's what I want. I want more of that. I want more of that for me. I want more of that for my family. I want more of that for you. I want more of that for our church, but you know what else I want? I want more of that for our community who doesn't know Jesus and doesn't know this type of love. And Paul says that's why it's really so important. That there are people who are still in this death category, he says. But once you move from death to life, you begin to ground yourself in that which brought you out of that, God's love. You'll begin to make an indention. You'll begin to make an impression. You'll begin to be a part of the process that brings people from death to life. When people begin to experience through you this type of love, and when you have set your roots in it, he says things will begin to change. It's not just transformational for you. It's transformational for communities. And Paul ends this with kind of a, a declaration and an invitation. He says in verse 20, he says, now to him who is able. See, we're at a place where we're still going, Jason, I'm just not sure. This sounds good on paper, I get it. But I'm just not sure this is possible because you don't know some of the circumstances. You don't know some of the players and some of the people in my life. You don't know some of the past pains and past hurts. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know, and, and I'm going to tell you, it's not going to be fully dependent on you. Because he says, now to him who is able to do what? More than you can ask or imagine. See, we can't imagine 
loving people that way. We can't imagine being strong in those ways. And he says, oh, but God can. He can do more than you can ask or imagine according to what? His power. It's his power that makes it able. That, uh, that's work, it is at work within us to him be the glory in the church and Christ Jesus throughout all generations. This timeless promise forever and ever. Amen. See, here's what we need to understand. That when we begin to set our roots up, being rooted and grounded, not only glorifies God, it invites us to experience more of God's power at work in us. So if you're in these moments where you go, I just, I just don't know, I don't know how this is going to be possible. I don't know how from kind of the, the trunk up I'm going to be able to flower and leaf and, and provide fruit and, and do what he's asking me to do. Start with underneath. He says, look at where you set your roots, because if you set your roots in the love that you have received, the love that you have been offered, the love that God has graciously and freely, he says, richly given you, then it's going to shape that which comes out. And you're going to be able to do things that you don't think is impossible because he is able to do that. See, this begins to happen when we take seriously the claim God, you are able to do more than I can ask or imagine. And there's the starting point. Paul says, listen, I want to not just declare God's glory, but I want to invite you in to a place where you begin to think, God, you are able to do some things I can't. Through the work of your spirit and minor strength, and to ground me in your love so that I can begin to live life in a different way. So as we land, here's the question. What would happen in our lives? What would happen in our homes and in our churches and in our communities? Now get this. If we really believed that God was able to do more than we could ask or imagine. That's easy to sit in here and let that roll off the tongue and go, oh yeah, God's able. And then like I said, we kind of get punched in the mouth by some circumstance or some relationship or something, some hardship, and guess what? Then we begin to do what? Question. Is God, God, you really here? Like, you know, what's going on? I mean, I'm talking about what if we begin to root ourselves in such a way where we go, God, you really are able. And I'm going to hold on to that promise. I'm going to keep repeating that promise. I'm going to dig my roots in deeper to that promise because you have done it. What if we really begin to believe and begin to live life as if that were true? Before we get out the request list of, God, I believe that you can tackle these things, what if we begin to, again, move into this moment where we go, God, it is about you. It's about you first and foremost before I get caught up in my own experience that, God, your glory is the point. It always has been. But in this, will you take what you've done and who you are and transform what I'm able to do? What would happen? What would happen if we believed that God, who we have surrendered our lives to and given our full attention and praise, what if we believed that he really could do the unthinkable and the unimaginable? Again, I think we're just in such a place in our own personal lives and in politics and culture where we go, I just don't think it's possible. And God says, give it to me and see what happens. Plant your roots in me and see what happens. 
ground yourself in my love and you'll find it possible to love some people that you didn't think was possible. You'll find it possible to extend forgiveness to some people that you didn't think it was possible to extend forgiveness. You'll find it possible to begin welcoming people at your table that just a few months ago or a year ago you didn't want at your table, you didn't desire at your table, and you made that known. Oh, it's possible. But it's not dependent on you somehow being okay with everything. No, he says it's dependent on you grounding yourself in such a way. It's just like a plant. He says, what happens above the surface is directly connected to what happens below the surface. Oh, and you may appear alive for a moment. But if you're not grounded in that, he said, so here's what's going to begin to happen when you do this. If you cross over into chapter 4, which we're not going to go all the way through. I know there's a Preds game at 1130. He says, here's what's going to happen. You're going to begin to bear fruit. You're not just going to appear alive. You're going to be healthy and alive underneath. See, chapter 4 is a complete snapshot of this life that's worthy, as he says, verse 1. It's a worthy of the calling. See, now that you're grounded, you're rooted, you understand where you come from, what he's done, and where you're going. He says, now all of a sudden you can begin to step into this life that's, that's worthy. Well, what does that look like? It bears fruit, verse 2. He says it's humility, it's gentleness, it's patience, it's bearing with humanity's imperfections in love. Verse 3, he says, you become peacemakers and unifiers. Verse 12, he says, you'll begin to use your giftedness, not for your own glory, not for your own personal gain. He says, no, you'll begin to use your giftedness for the building up of the body. You'll begin to use your giftedness. You'll begin to say, what am I gifted at? What have I been given? What am I good at? What am I passionate about? What, what makes my heart sing? Guess what? I'm not going to use those things for my own self-gratification. What am I going to do? I'm going to use those for you. I'm going to build up the body. I'm going to use those things for each other. Verse 12, he says, you'll begin to be involved in works of service. You will understand what true generosity is all about because you have experienced true generosity. You have experienced the glorious riches. You'll begin to sacrificially begin giving in order that someone else can feel relieved at the hands of your generosity. Verse 14, he says, you'll begin to grow and mature. Guess what? You're going to begin to move into a life that, that is more fully devoted to Jesus, that begins to look like Jesus. And in that, he, you will experience loving others as you have experienced this love because you're rooted and grounded. You begin loving God and loving people. You'll love as I have loved you. So let me ask you this morning, what's your next step? I mean, for you, maybe there's two categories I want to kind of just call us to this morning. Maybe for you, it's you need to begin by receiving. We talk a lot about giving here, but maybe for you, you're in a moment where, you know what, I need to, I need to be given. I need to receive. I need to be a recipient. For you, maybe you need to, to receive and believe that God loves you. Maybe you've not heard that from somebody that's significant or meaningful in quite a while. And I just want to tell you this morning that God loves you. If you don't believe me, just back up and read Ephesians 1, 2, 3. You're going to see the magnitude of God's love. Maybe for you, you know what, I've got to receive salvation. I've got to, you know what, I need to surrender my heart, my desires, my will, my life to Jesus. So that I can receive this inner power that he's talking about. 
I need, to, I need to spend a moment receiving you, Jesus. I need to spend a moment, God, with you re- receiving the gift that you've given me. For you, maybe you need to receive forgiveness and be reminded that you still are loved in spite of your mistakes. In spite of your failures, in spite of what happened last night or last month. That you, you can be forgiven, that God can, can move past those things. Those things don't get to define you. Those things don't become your identity, no. Jesus becomes your identity. He gives you a new identity. So maybe your next step is baptism. You know what? Uh, I, I need to like, make this, this, this proclamation that, that Jesus, I want to I be, be buried and brought back to life like you. I, I, want that, I want that in my life for you maybe. You know what? I just need some more answers. I got a lot of questions, and I just need to talk that through, and I, I, I just want to know some basic things. And for you, maybe it's this power to overcome something. But maybe you need to, this morning, just take a minute to receive something. But maybe you're in a position, you know what, maybe your next step is giving something. I need to do a better job giving love to the hard to love. I need to do a better job, because I am a recipient, of loving those who are difficult. Maybe for me it's giving time and energy to those who need to know you, and the best way for them to get to know you is to know that I love them, that I care for them. But above all, I want you to know that you are loved. And in that love, we become grounded, rooted, established. So that God then sets us up to live into that life that is worthy of the calling.